Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 345 of So You Want to Be a Writer. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm CEO of the Australian Writers' Centre, and I'm your co-host. And I'm here with my partner in crime, Alison Tate, also known as A.L. Tate, author of the Mapmaker Chronicles and the Adaban Cipher series, but also now author of, you can say it, Al. Dun, dun, dun. Where's our sound <laughs> effects, Val? We need the sound effects. <laughs> We're a bit low. Author of The Firestar, a Maven and Reeve mystery, which is Woo-hoo! coming out next week. Squeak. Cute Did you hear that squeak? Squeak. That's a good <laughs> That's a good sound effect. Very, very, very exciting. So cool. This is like it's where we're all we're all um, on tenterhooks, aren't we? Well, we are. It does feel a bit like I have to say it's a bit like that at this point when it's you know it's a it's it's imminent yes. and it's kind of you know there's no stopping it now. It's coming. There's nothing I can do about it anymore. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like it's it's exciting and it's also kind of terrifying. Although I have to say I'm quite excited because uh, the ratings and reviews are starting to come together on Goodreads and so far they're all five star. So I'm a little bit like, (laughs) okay, this is good. Awesome. Um, So that's great. Uh, Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's just that moment of, it's, it's a strange thing. I'm also incredibly busy because I am trying to write a second book as we have discussed, um, which is, you know, like I'm making, I'm making steady progress. Like it's kind of like, I have really actually come to the, I'm at, I'm at like 45,000 words with it oh, now. Oh, that's so te- heaps. That's great. Technically, well, technically I should be, like the end should be getting to be in sight because as we've discussed in the past, I do tend to, um, you know, underwrite that first mm. draft and then and then go in and go, yeah, I probably need to explain a bit more what's happening here. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it just feels like um, it just feels a little bit like I'm not quite where I need to be with it just yet. So this might be one of those ones that ends up actually needing to be um, cut, my Lord. Let's what? imagine that for a moment. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. It's it's kind of I, I've got a – it's a funny thing when you write a book like this, you, you have a sense of where you are with the structure and the pacing um, and I know that it's like lagging badly in some places and then just bolting in others. Um, yes. So all of that's going to need to be fixed uh, but I am, you know – doing what I always do, which is trying to get that draft finished before I get too much into the nuts and bolts of it. I have a very strong idea of where things need to be sorted. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, I haven't, I haven't gone back and actually done any sorting. So it's, it's a bit like you just kind of write forward knowing that you need to fix stuff. Yeah. So I write well, forward as though that's been fixed. Right, yes, yes. So, well, we're on the journey with you, Al, and we look forward to hearing how the this next book um, progresses. But in the meantime, The Firestar is out very, very soon and you've yes. got this awesome pre-order um, I do. Uh, I have thing a, on. We've, we've talked about the pre-orders. I know that I've discussed it with our, with our lovely listening community in the past, but I've actually got a um, – a bit of a pre-order offer on at the moment where if you pre-order the Firestar, you win, um, you could win a chance, uh, sorry, you have a chance to win a one-hour Zoom session with me or, you know, Skype or whatever it is that is your, you know, digital platform of choice. Um, And that one-hour Zoom session or um, digital session or whatever can be, it could be a one-hour, it can be for up to 25 people. So Mm. it could be a one-hour author talk with a class 
It could be a meeting with your, you know, a one-hour meeting with your book club or your writer's Great. group, mm. or it could be just you, 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 a one-on-one yep. session with you to talk about writing, podcasting, building your author platform, books, you know, whatever aspect of my career it is that you would like to, you know, unearth Mm. um, and pick my brains about, then we can talk about that. So that would be all about you. So um, it's an opportunity to ask me all those questions that are you centric. um, Mm. And if you'd like to, if you'd like your chance to win that, you need to uh, pre-order the Firestar and then upload your proof of purchase and answer a question. Um, all the details are on my blog at alisontate.com. I'll mm-hmm. put the link in the show notes to the actual um, the actual post itself, but you'll find it easily enough if you go to alisontate.com. Um, and it's uh, open until midnight or I think it's 11.59 p.m. on August the 31st. Uh, because, of course, the book comes out on the 1st of September. So if you pre-order any time between now and then or if you've already pre-ordered and you've got your receipt, uh, yeah. send me the, the, you just need to email it um, and the address is in that post. It's just like a click the link and there it is. Um, mm. And I would love to to hear from you. Um, or the the um, entries are flooding in, which I'm quite excited to say. Right. Um, which is great, uh, and I will. I'm choosing the most creative answer to the question, uh, which of course is pretty simple. Like, how how do you plan to use your mm. one hour session? So yeah, get yourself That's along brilliant. to that. Yeah, and, and if you're um, going to order the book anyway, just um, pre-order and enter because then you can have a one-on-one with Al, which I think is such a wonderful a opportunity to win. Exactly, or I can talk to your kids' class if that's what mm. you would prefer. Anyway, that's exciting. That's going on. Um, What about you, Val? What are you doing? Oh, what have I been doing? Goodness. Well, I had my mini break. Um, So I'm back from my mini break. I saw lots of photos of kangaroos. Kangaroos. They were adorable. I went to the Hunter Valley, but they, they were adorable. Um, and they're very, you know, came right up, little joeys poking out of their mum's tummies. So um, that was really fun. Uh, and I came back feeling healthier, so that was good. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a bit odd because as I was driving there, I this is, this is ridiculous really because my plan was to read books. You may recall I that was one of my major things of wanting to have a break, just to read, you know, that to-be-read pile, just to get through that. Um and my plan was to read a lot of books. Did not read a single one. Uh, read a bit of a magazine because as I was driving up there, for some reason I got into my head, oh, wouldn't it be interesting to write songs? Obviously inspired by Book Boy, that's Alison's son. <laughs> and um, and instead I did a whole bunch of songwriting courses, <laughs> which is kind of what? ridiculous yeah, I did a bunch of songwriting courses while I was on my break. Um, several okay. songwriting courses, like binge, co- you know, binge learned kind of thing. Right. And it was kind of a stupid thing to do <laughs> because I had no instrument with me. Wow. So what? no keyboard, no guitar, no nothing, nothing. But I was just thinking, so I was, here I was imagining playing, which was not the most useful thing to do. In the end, no. I did manage to get, um, to try using GarageBand on the iPad. Of course, the keys are teeny tiny. <laughs> I just, I've got just this vision of you. Like, what were you thinking? I don't know. I was just making the little songs on on my iPad in the end. 
You are so funny. Are you going to branch? Are you going to add songwriter to your multi-faceted, multi-tiered creative career? <laughs> I doubt it. Um, but you know, I do believe in exploring your creative curiosity. And obviously that's what I was curious about at the time. But of course, with a week of having no instrument and then suddenly absorbing all of these, this information about songwriting, I literally drove into my house, got out my bags and went straight to the piano to try and just, you know, put into practice all of the things that I'd accumulated over the week. Do you know, I and didn't know that I even knew that you played piano. How have I known you all of these years and I didn't know that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Did you did you go? Did little Val go through all the grades? What grade did you get up to? Oh, you know, you get to eighth grade or something like that. It's just so you're you you're know. a grade eight pianist. Yeah, but I haven't played in you know a long time. Just because you have a piano doesn't mean that you sit down at it very often, which obviously I have not been doing. But then I do this songwriting course while I'm away, and then I realise oh I've got this great piano at home. I really should play it. Um, and so yeah. Busted out of the car and, and wrote a song. Just belted out a few songs <laughs> as you do. Well, I only wrote Right. <laughs> okay. Um, right. I mean, it's not oh. very good or anything. It's just silly, but um, but yes, that's what I did on my break. Because it was so I don't actually advise that if you're going to do a songwriting course, probably have an instrument with you. <laughs> <laughs> Just a key, one key to success, make sure yeah. you've got an instrument with you. <laughs> That's right. And when you realise you don't have an instrument, as I obviously did at the first course I consumed, maybe don't consume another five. <laughs> Sorry, no, stop, wait. You did six songwriting courses without an instrument. I probably did five actually, so, yeah. Oh, that's oh, that's fine, only five. That's fine. <laughs> that makes complete sense. <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> I don't know. It was just, oh, yeah, probably not okay. the wisest path, but I just became obsessed. Oh, well, anyway, so there you pandemic. go. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Speaking of things to do in a pandemic, um, uh, we have this great blog post. So we are going to move on to the world of writing and publishing. Okay. We, well, we have were this songwriting, <laughs> but, you know, yeah, let's do this instead. We have this great blog post on the Australian Writers' Centre blog uh, from Adrian Beck. Um, and it is all about how to write during a pandemic. So very, very um, insightful in terms of uh, how to actually do that because there's all this remote learning, there's all your kids at home and stuff like that. I mean, um, Adrian's outlined six tips. Which ones do you like, Al, out, out, out of those? I think well, I have to say two things. There's two yes. things that I have to say about this. One is that um, Adrian's interview on the podcast uh, last week was yes. hugely popular. Lots of people Huge. had a good listen and a good laugh. Mm. And secondly, my favourite line in this entire blog post is, mm. so far I'm coping okay with prep, but I'm pretty sure I'm failing grade two. Um, <laughs> because he's talking about, of course, the perils of having to um, manage uh, the the online learning. Uh, you know, Adrian's based in Melbourne. His mm. um, wife is a successful businesswoman. He's taken on the majority of the home learning supervision. Mm. So he's got all of that going on, which I know a lot of people can relate to. Like even, um, you know, most of the country is not in full lockdown at the moment like Melbourne is. But when we were all at home and having to manage the online learning earlier this year, um, as we all were, it's not easy when you're trying to, and particularly not for parents with younger kids. Like it was a bit 
bit easier for me because I had the older boys. But, um, you know, my youngest was in year eight. He was not loving online learning and he drove me crazy. So I cannot imagine what it's like Mm. to be at home with, you know, smaller kids and trying to manage the whole six hours a day and everything. And as Adrian says, you know, it's exhausting, emotionally Mm. exhausting, um, the stress of going through the lockdown. And I know that there's a lot of people, um, because obviously we have a lot of international listeners and there's a lot of people that can relate to this right now, this this thing. I think that my favourite tip Mm. uh, from Adrian is lie to yourself. I think that that is a fantastic tip. Say stuff like, I'll just do 250 words and go to bed or I'll write for 10 minutes. I'll just get 10 minutes done. I'll write a paragraph because if you do that, you do two things. You get 250 words that you didn't Mm. have before and then chances are you will um, actually get more because, you know, starting – is always the hardest bit. The sitting down and the showing up is the hardest bit. So once you get going with it, you'll probably find that, you know, you do more than 250 or maybe you don't and you've got 250 for the day and then you've got, you know, 1500 for the week. So um, I think that that is probably my favourite tip of how to write, you know, when you're in this situation is just to lie to yourself and make yourself, just kid yourself that you're only going to do a paragraph, you know. It gets you started. I absolutely agree because um, you will find that you end up doing more than 250. So without a doubt, I think that that's my favourite tip as well. But you can have a look at the um, at the post. We've got the link in the show notes, which of course you can find at soyouwanttobearwriter.com.au. Uh, au. Um, all right, so let's move on to we've got um, we've got a really cool person that we're interviewing today. But before we get onto that, I want to talk about the competition. We have three copies of The Thursday Murder Club by Richard Osman uh, to give away and you have your chance to win one of three copies. Entries close 31 August. In a peaceful retirement village off the A21 in Kent, four unlikely friends meet up once a week to investigate unsolved killings. But when a local property developer shows up dead, the Thursday Murder Club find themselves in the middle of their first live case. Elizabeth, Joyce, Ibrahim and Ron might be octogenarians, but they still have a few tricks up their sleeves. Can our unorthodox but brilliant gang catch the killer before it's too late? A page-turning murder mystery in the tradition of Christie and a joyful laugh-out-loud celebration of modern Britishness and the power of friendship. The Thursday Murder Club is a true classic in the making. There you go. So what go fun. to I like it. It does. It sounds like a great premise, right? Mm. Um, all right. So go to writerscentre.com.au slash win uh, for your chance to um, win one of three copies of The Thursday Murder Club by Richard Osman. That's writercentre.com.au slash win. Which means now, Al... Exactly. Are you ready for the word of the week? Oh, after a build up like that, how could I not be? (laughs) Okay, it's Saturnine, as in Mm. like the planet Saturn, Ein, Saturnine. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know it? Do you know it? I know the word, yes, I do. I'm sorry, but I do. All right. Sorry. So, um, For anyone who doesn't know the word, uh, (laughs) (laughs) it might sound like it's associated with the planet Saturn, like obviously, right? Mm. But it actually refers to your disposition. If you're described as having a Saturnine demeanour or personality, it means, according to the Macquarie Dictionary, 
having or showing a sluggish, gloomy temperament. So you might say the Prime Minister was saturnine as he approached the microphone to deliver the news. Or really, um, the saturn- uh, teenage boys are consistently saturnine. <laughs> consistently. I can get on board with that one, definitely. <clears throat> so, yep, saturnine. There you go. You like it? Did you know like the it. meaning? I, di- I did. I'm sorry. Mm. Uh, that's why I'm being very quiet and just allowing you your place in the sun. Oh, it's not my place in the sun. It's the place in the sun of the word. Well, it's kind of your thing though, isn't it? Like let's face mm, it, when fine. people think of Val, they think of banoffee pie and word of the week. <laughs> I'm sorry, but they do. Okay. <gasps> let's move on to our writer in residence this week. I had a cracking good time. We talked to um, Mikey Robbins. His latest book is called Reprehensible, Polite Histories of Bad Behaviour. And it really is such a fun book. Uh, It is so incredibly well-researched. Mikey Robbins really needs no introduction. I mean, he is um, well-known. No, he does because there's lots of people that won't know who he is. We have an international listener base. Who doesn't know who Mikey Robbins is? Our international listener base doesn't know who Mikey Robbins is. I hope you give him a better rap than that in your intro to the actual interview. Well, of course he is a, well, here's the intro now because of course he is an author because he's written this book and written other books as well. He is a comedian, known as a comedian. He is a media personality. He's on the radio. He started off, for those of you who are old enough, um, well, he's not started off, but he's well known for his um, appearances on Good News Week. Uh, Mm. And um, he's, uh, this book, he's also a a bit of a history nerd and, and really loves um, researching. Uh, so it's been really interesting to talk to him about how he researched this and how he got into it because it's it's quite rigorous, but it's hilarious. This is hilarious. So po- polite histories of bad behaviour. I just want to tell you some because one of the, my favourite pieces in the book is some bizarre, bizarre, bizarre American state laws that he has researched, right? Oh, okay. So these are specific to these states. So in um, Connecticut, it's illegal Mm -hmm. to walk across the street on your hands. (laughs) (laughs) Great. I'm safe in Connecticut. In Iowa, kisses Mm. may last up to but not exceed five minutes. Oh. In Kentucky, okay. a woman may only appear in a swimsuit on a highway <laughs> if she is in the company of two police officers. <laughs> I know, right? This is bizarre. <laughs> I'm also safe there. <laughs> in New Jersey, it is against the law to frown at a police officer or to slurp soup. Oh, <laughs> do both of those things at the same time. It's a double issue. And I'm only reading you a couple of these things, right? There's ones for every state. But in Wisconsin, it's illegal to kiss on a train. Oh. Anyway, okay. that is just a handful of some of the um, interesting fun facts that are really actually very well told, very well written in this book. Let's have a listen to Mikey Robbins. Thanks so much for joining us today, Mikey. No worries, Valerie. Lovely to chat to you. 
This is a cracker of a book, reprehensible. Oh, thank you. Thank <laughs> it's, you. It's, it's just, I think you've just hit the nail on the head on so many levels. But anyway, reprehensible, polite histories of bad behaviour. So for those readers who haven't got their copy yet, can you tell us what it's about? Well, it's um, it's divided up in, in, in various sections, but it, it's, it's the old saying my grandmother used to say, there's none as queer as folk. And it's the idea that, you know, yes, we are living through reprehensible times, but I find a, a small little smattering of hope in the fact that it's always been this way. <laughs> and uh, and, and uh, I, I, I make some analogies. I mean, also, I must say that I'm not talking about the great crimes against humanity sure. that come up on, you know, on a, on a generational basis. I'm, I'm talking about the more venal, pathetic, silly behaviour of Sometimes people who I, I, I thought were geniuses and, and are still geniuses, it's 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 a it's a almost a comforting look back at shocking behaviour from um, from the pharaohs right through to the guy who rigged the nineteen seventy three soapbox derby so his nephew would win. <laughs> I mean, it totally is, and it's so true what you say. But I am curious to know what made you think I'm going to write this book. How did that seed get sown? Well, I've always been a bit of a history nerd. And I wrote my first book uh, about two years ago, uh, which is called Seven Deadly Sins and One Very Naughty Fruit, which was a sort of left-field look at culinary history as divided amongst the seven deadly sins. And as I was researching, and I kept coming across really good stories that weren't sort of food-related. That sort of bubbled away in my brain. And then as you, know, as you sit there watching the TV, watching, them, watching people behave appallingly or you know, find yourself on Twitter, I started looking at those stories and went, you know, there's actually not a great deal of difference between some of the things I've seen uh, our politicians do and the and 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 and, and the behaviour of a um, of a 13th century historian who wrote fake news stories about the Irish just to impress the king. <laughs> so I think of him as a as a Norman Fox News. <laughs> So, but you, you, you were researching that other book, come across, you, you came across a bunch of other interesting facts, mm. but did you retain them in your head? Did you write them down and file them somewhere? I, How did you actually collect all of this? I'm a great believer in notepads. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have stacks of notepads. And um, I mean, that, that was the first process of, of, of doing this book was... Unlike the first book, which was divided amongst the seven deadly sins, I already knew what the structure was going to be. Mm. With this one, it was a matter of finding stories and then sort of figuring out how they related to each other. Mm. And, and, that, and that was how the structure – and once I established that, that, that was the notepad process. So, like, I, once I figured out a whole bunch of really weird stories about laws and power, that became the problem with power. Then mm. I kept finding all these amazing stories about – really vain, silly behaviour, and that became the vanity chapter. And, of course, you know, misbehaving royally, well, I had to, <laughs> oh, I had to do that, I mean, I mean, which is one of the strangest facts. It's like, you know, I, I talk about Henry VIII, and, you know, we always, you know, think of him as the man who, you know, dissolved the Catholic Church in England, um, was, a, was, a, was a mad rooter and a, and a, and a dreadful <laughs> husband and, and, you know, and let's face it, you know, a, a mass murderer mm. and a glutton. But also on top of that, he was a dreadful gambler. And he would he would actually he would actually take part in like gambling festivals, which would be sort of like the Queen going on um one of those poker tournaments. 
<laughs> so the thing is that the level of research in here is profound because Thank it you. is so diverse and across such a broad range. Are you telling me that over the past few years, you, like a bowerbird, would would come across these stories and and write them in your notebook? And was it either a a, a process, an accidental process of discovery because you are a history nerd and you read stuff, or did you go out in search uh, of crazy stories? Well, by the time um, by the time I stumbled across the first few stories, I. I remember I, I, I was sitting sitting with, with my manager and friend, and we were bouncing some ideas around. And originally, it was just going to be a book on on uh, royal royal shenanigans, you know, mm. from the Romanovs right through. And then he went, oh. And then I thought, yeah, broaden it out to just more. Also, also too, if I had just written about the sex lives of royals, the book would have been pretty squelchy. Mm. Um, and the book is squelchy in parts. I'm the, I'm the first to admit that. But I, I realised I needed to, to broaden it out. And then, of course, once I started finding out the various other strange behaviours, like the fact that, um, that Sir Isaac Newton, you know, the greatest mind of the Enlightenment, mm. was a deeply disturbed, disturbed teenager who wanted to set fire to his parents' house. And then another bizarre one too um, – and so, the, 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 so that that falls into wayward geniuses like um, El, um not Elon Musk, Nicholas Tesla, you know, the mm. great polymath and genius, seems to have been sexually attracted to pigeons, <laughs> which is <laughs> deeply weird. Um, so so that was the wayward genius section, and then I had the royals, and then I had the problems with power, then I had I had vanity, and then then I of course by that stage thought, well, I really need to do a chapter on scoundrels, and let's mm. face it. History does not let us down when it comes to scoundrels. No. <laughs> and, but then, but, but then, then there was another thing too, which um, so you, you, but then everything had to pass what I call the Ty, uh, the, the Tiberius problem. Um, mm-hmm. The Emperor Tiberius was a wicked, wicked man, and uh, as I was researching, and oh, he had all these orgies and all that sort of stuff. Then as I researched more into his behaviour, I realised that. Yeah, actually, there's not because you know, the primary idea of the book is to entertain, and mm. um, his behaviour crossed crossed a, a limit where it's like, actually, there's nothing entertaining here. This is actually just horrible. Mm. And so then I'd look at a story and I'd go, okay, is it does it does it have enough dirt in it for me to have some fun with, but not be so wantonly evil that it, that, that I can't be playful. Mm-mm. So that was your yardstick, but I'm curious to know whether you actually had an oversupply of stories so that you had to cull or whether you had to search for more to get a book. Um, no, I Seriously, um, when it comes to bad behaviour, humanity does not let you down. <laughs> um, yeah, there's, 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 there's plenty of stuff that didn't make the book. And also to just... I mean, there's a few stories from the 20th century, but I, mostly the cutoff point is the late Victorian. Mm. And I, I did that for several reasons. One, I, I didn't want to get sued. Um, and secondly, I didn't want uh, – I, I wanted to share that the, the idea I said before, that it's always been a bit on the nose. We've always been a bit, you know, mm. a bit naughty and, and mm. silly and silly and vain and pompous. 
So this is one of those books where you could have the next three years, not you, but a reader could have the next three years of pub stories, <laughs> the kind of things that they talk about at the pub. Did you know that? Did you know that? Um, and it's a yeah. cracker. Thank you. I, and, and look, and it, it's very much the designed to be that sort of book. I always made, you know, always maintaining, even with my first book, this one as well, if you go into a dinner party and you don't really know the people, just read a couple of chapters. You know, you, 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 you have something to talk about. But, in fact, when you talk about research, that a lot of the research was, and I'm eternally grateful to, to my friends and family, was I'd, I'd do a bit of research and, and some writing, then I'd try out some stories on my, on, on, on my friends. Mm. And and they found it. I mean, I don't know. I you know, I would buy the drinks because you know they knew they were being <laughs> they were being used as unpaid researchers. And the stories that I could see a sparkle in their eye, I went, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, that one seemed to bore them. I might have to go back and rework that one a bit. Mm. And see, yeah, look, at, yes, um, it's very nice when people call me an author, but I'm just a guy who collates pub stories, really. So yeah. <laughs> well, the um, the section on some arcane American state laws is an entire stand-up show. It's it is. just brilliant. And and it's it, it's a you know there's one law from New Jersey that says it's illegal to throw pickle juice at a passing trolley. <laughs> I mean, why does that need to be a law? <laughs> and um, and and then, and then there are a lot of lot of the laws that seem to be have a, a, a moralistic fear of more than one woman occupying a place uh, because apparently you know in 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 the censorious mind of, of lawmakers this would obviously lead to to a brothel being established. Mm. That's right because in Ohio it's illegal for more than four women to share the same house. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I, I, I was thinking about that, and it's 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 actually this dreadful late nineteenth century, um, um, you know, morality, and also to you know, the the men would see that as obviously a brothel, and then there's mm-hmm. they've they've got a lot of problems with dildos. <laughs> but, but actually, I must admit, dildos do run as a theme through the book. <laughs> what I saw, it, it was it was so funny emailing my um my editor back and forth. I said, do I have too much dildo stuff? And he went, <laughs> he said, you've, you, you've probably reached dildo limit. I went, I've got one more. I've got one more about the ancient Greeks. And he said, okay, you can have that. <laughs> oh, I want to just mention a couple more of this because this is, Please. and everyone should t- go and buy this book even just for this list. Um, but the whole book's fantastic. But this list oh, is, 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 a, is, is great. So Michigan, a woman's yeah. hair is considered her husband's property and she cannot cut it without his permission. <laughs> I know. And, and, and here's the weird thing too, that these books, these laws are still on the books. It's crazy, right? <laughs> but as I said, when you go through it, a lot of it is, uh, you know, there's, uh, there's a strong anti-woman bias in these laws, which I, you know, come as no surprise to a lot of people. Um, you know that uh, it's it's illegal for a woman to to appear in a in a house coat on the highway. I think that's in Arizona. Yes, it's that's hilarious. <laughs> and, and, and the weird thing too was I I remember thinking I don't think anyone's wore a house coat since my mother and um and 
and bewitched. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so true. And okay. they might be and they might be um anti-woman, but they're pro-dog because in Oklahoma you can get busted for making faces at a dog. Yes, indeed, but you can also get charged in another state if you allow your dog to have sex within a certain area within a within a church, a school. Well, I think a post office. That's insane, right? That's the thing. People care about these things. Yes, yes. And, 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 and people with law degrees sat down and constructed. And that's, that's probably one of the themes of the book, is that the amount of thought that people, intelligent people, have put into moralising um you know, the rest of our lives. I, I've had a lot of music going, worrying. Like the, the whole campaign against um, allowing women to ride bicycles at the end of the 19th oh, yes. century. <laughs> um, you know, that it, it, would, it would cause something called um, cycle mania and bicycle face. Bicycle face, yes. <laughs> and, and, and that the, um, the pleasant vibrations of the seat might, might end up with a loosening of the morals. I mean, it's just, it's all this censorious. You know, it's amazing to think that the, the, the patriarchy was terrified by a Melbourne bicycle. Mm-mm. Now, the thing is, some of these stories are so wacky. When you came across them, you must yeah. have thought for some of them that can't be true and yeah. and therefore had to verify it in your research process. Very much so. In fact, that's one of the things that uh, the, the, the people sort of underestimate because, you know, I, particularly with a book like this. I mean, obviously, mm. there are books where I can start from. Mm. But, but you do you do end up doing a lot of research online, which everyone thinks, well, that's easy. And it's like, mm. no, it's not, because mm. when you find a fact online, you've got to triple check it, quadruple check it. Yes. Uh, just to make sure it's right and also to, to you know see what the source is. I'll give you an example. When I was writing my first book, I was, I'd spent most of the day writing what I thought was a very funny piece about a low-calorie <laughs> toothpaste. <laughs> and until I eventually I, I double checked and I went, this is a parody site. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I'm thinking I've wasted most of the morning on this. So the, there is that thing if you if you're doing, I mean, like you know, proper academics would know this a lot more than I, because I am not, you know, I I am not an historian. I'm just a just a, a guy who watches way too much History Channel. <laughs> um, but uh, you know. One line is a boom for finding information, but you've really got to verify it because as much mm. as my idea, my, you know, I want people to be entertained by the book, informed, hopefully, mm. but also to, I don't want to muck it up. You know, if I'm making fun of something, you've got to get the dates right. You've got to get the, you know, it's, it's just, it's the mm. form of the joke works better. So did you, did you, I'm interested now in your, in the actual writing process when you got, Sit down to. I'm going to write it and I'm going to craft it. You've you've got your bits and pieces that you've gathered over the years. Tell me about that and whether you had some kind of routine or did you do it? You know, in between doing other projects or no, yeah, just talk I, me through that. No, I um I was sort of lucky, lucky not lucky. I, I wasn't doing much last year. I mean. I mean, I was doing live work, which, of course, all you know, finished mm. earlier this year. So, I mean, that sort of funded my life. And um, I, I do a fair bit of, like, yeah, corporate stuff, yeah, and, yeah. And, which is, yeah, which is, it's, it's money, it's nice. 
So my my working day was, and I'm a deeply, deeply undisciplined person, so the, <laughs> the, the only way that I knew I could do it was actually pretend I was going to work. Mm. So I'd put in at least four hours a day. Um, right. this, this sounds so silly. I'd have a shave before – not a shave. I'd have a shower. Sometimes I'd have a shave. Mm. I, I, I'd have a shower before I, I went into the home office. Mm. And I never wore a T-shirt. I always made a point of at least wearing a polo shirt or a collared shirt because it, it made me feel like I was at work. Yes, right. Which, and then, then my thing was I would write and write and write. And sometimes you write in bursts and sometimes you – and I, I found that I couldn't get up – even if I'd done four hours, if I had only written a 1,000 – or if I hadn't made a 1,000 words, I would keep going – Right. But, this, but then some days I'd, three or four thousand would come out very quickly. And, mm. and then I'd realised too that if three or four thousand words are coming out pretty quickly, oh, about a thousand or 1,500 of them aren't going to be that great. <laughs> so, you know, so I'd, if, if that would happen, I, I, I would take a little break and then come back and go, yeah, let's um, – let's – I call it, you know, killing puppies. <laughs> I know it sounds dreadful, but you know, it's that thing no one wants to do. You don't want to sit back and look at something that you think is really good and go, yeah, you know what, it doesn't serve the narrative. Yes. Time, time to kill it. Okay, so the thing with this, you've got lots of um, anecdotes, lots of vignettes and, you know, pub stories, as, yeah. as we've said, So, but there's lots. And as you say, you it was initially going to be about royals, but you yeah. broadened it. And the yes. danger of broadening something, of course, it, it becomes too broad and there isn't that thread. But mm. you have this, there is a great thread in this. It, it hangs together really, really well. Thank you so much. I, I, I've worked on that. Oh, yeah, so I'm interested in that. So because it's made up of so many um, small things but yet it's very cohesive as a whole, how did you, did you like have them on little index cards and then shuffle them around? Like how in the world did you decide on the order and how it was going to run? I, um, I would love to say I was that organised. Um, I, I would I would tend to jump around from topics to topics, but I always had a, a, an overview of the book uh, and, 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 and the tone I wanted for it and, and how the stories would sort of – it's not that I'm sitting out a thesis, but I have a you know, general theory on human behaviour, which is mm. you know, can we all just be a little bit less judgmental? And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and I had a fantastic um, editor, um, um, uh, Brandon Venova. And, um, oh, Brandon. Mm. Yeah, yeah, Brandon. Brandon did, and then uh, a woman called Siobhan came in later at the end. But you know, Brandon edited, edited my first book, and we, um, mm. we we had a very good relationship with that. And, and so, yeah, Brandon edited this one, and he was fantastic for for guidance. And um, we, I, I don't think we even argued once. Mm, mm. Oh yes, 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 we did. <laughs> about dildos, or about... no? It was, it was actually, it was actually a, 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 about Edward the Seventh, um, the, yeah. the son of Queen Victoria, who was an, a notorious um, a glutton of both of both sex and 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 food. And there was a there was an insult that um, Lily Langtree, the actress who he was having an affair with, threw at him across a theatre foyer. That Brandon thought was too crude to go in the book. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, it's too crude to go on the book. It's probably too crude to tell you. <laughs> okay. Well, we might leave that for offline. Yeah. <laughs> now, another section um, is the signs that people used to put in front of their houses in ancient Roman times or in Pompeii. And oh, well, <laughs> actually, lots of signs, graffiti. I mean, graffiti. It was, it was, it was, I, was, I was just watching CNN before I came and talked to you, and they're talking about Portland, and most most of the problems are graffiti. But I mean, well, graffiti comes from the ancient Latin word, you know, to scratch. Mm. It's it's these, so some of these words are again crackers. So <laughs> um, they range from. I screwed the barmaid. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So it's, like, it's like you're not the first guy to say that and two and a half years later you won't be the last. To honour tavern, restituta, take off your tunic, please, and show us your hairy privates. Yes, yes, which I, I don't know how restituta felt about that. I, you know, I mean, I, or, or, or did it even work? And, there's, there's, and there's, 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 there's another one which is... Um, at the front of a brothel, ladies, I've given up on your delights. My penis is only for bottoms of men now. Oh my goodness! <laughs> which is which is a rather roundabout way of saying you've you know you've you've yeah. had a life crisis. <laughs> yes, and also this one is uh, my favourite. Floronius, privileged soldier of the Seventh Legion, was here. The woman, the women, did not know of his presence. Only six women came to know. Too few for such a stallion. Yes, yes, he had, he had quite an opinion of himself, didn't he? Uh, it's, it's, it's like, oh yeah, quite. Uh, then, then there's another one by 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 another soldier in the in the, in the same tavern trying to one up on one up him. It's uh, yeah, but it is it is a bizarre thing that you know. Um, once again, it gets gets back to that point that people have been behaving like like idiots for a very long time. Now. This might be a difficult question to answer because it's no doubt something that comes naturally to you and mm. so you might not be able to deconstruct it. But, uh -huh. of course, the stories themselves are entertaining, funny, interesting, um, and, you know, they can speak for themselves. However, you bring another level to it in that you, obviously your voices comes through very strongly. Thank and you. did you make an effort to... Make it even funnier because obviously it's laugh out loud. Well, thank you. I thank you. And B, I'm not an effort. I, I did put it in my voice, and you know I like to think I can I can tell a story humorously. Um, but some sometimes it was actually a matter of um, you know you'd write something, and I'd think you know putting a, putting a, a joke in this is like um, it's like putting a hat on a hat. You know, right. Like, yeah, the story itself. I mean, I, I always found, I, I found this it was something I, I, I sort of discovered when I wrote the first book and was very conscious of here mm. is I, I'll put a joke in if it if it works and it doesn't stuff up the narrative. But my my first job is to tell the story and tell it in my voice, mm. and then you know. But there are sometimes where I actually I can't help myself, and I will actually say when I do it. In parentheses, I'm sorry, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> now, this might sound like a stupid question because, like I said, oh. it's something that I think obviously mm. comes naturally to you, but how does one 
put a joke in. I know there's lots of people who where humour doesn't come naturally to them. They might be great writers, but humour doesn't come naturally to them. And they're always wondering, well, how do you inject that humour? How do you how does it even come into your brain for you to put it in? Ah, like I said, it might be instinctive for you, you see. I will say I, I, I can't tell someone how to how to create a joke. Um, but you can't I can't explain that. Mm-hmm. But what I can, well, you see, this sort of you know, it, it gets back to the old sort of John Dunn concept of of, of 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 wit, which is finding a common thread between what seems to be two disparate events, mm-hmm. and that common thread will then illustrate something about humanity that you find amusing. Mm-hmm. And that was that was incredibly long winded. But the one thing is, when you are trying to put it down on paper, is read read it back to yourself out loud. And mm. if, if, because a lot of comedy is, particularly performed comedy, is rhythm. And so the skill, well, the, the skill, but you know, the job is getting that rhythm on the paper so that when your eyes run across it, it hopefully lands in a place that lets the reader smile or, or even laugh, which is, which, which is, which is very different to performing on stage. Yes, very different because I've actually read some books by comics that, I read them and they read like they should be a script for the stage as opposed to, and I can see it working on the stage, but I, yeah. it just doesn't quite work on the page. So, well, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know whether that's the challenge, but that was, I wanted, you know, I wanted to write a book that was entertaining and for mm-hmm. me entertaining. I mean, I, I, I'm glad you said you laughed out loud. Um, um, and I've had people say that, but, even if people read it and they get a couple of smiles, I'm happy. Mm. So, what was your um, what's your test? Was is your test your editor? Like, how do you? Because when you are too close to a work, it is hard to figure out whether it is actually funny. Um, mm. Do you, do you, how, what was your test? Um, my wife is a woman of infinite patience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, was, it, it was funny. I am, in fact. The box of new books arrived today, and I said, "You're going to read it." She said, "Read it." I lived it. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I, and 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 my editor, obviously, uh, and particular, but I I would bounce ideas off 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 my wife, who's who's some mm. incredibly clever and 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 very 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 patient with me. What was the hardest thing about writing this book? Oh. That's a good question. <laughs> you, have to, you have to be honest, Valerie. I had so much fun writing this book. Really? Yeah. It, it, it's sort of weird. I mean, as I said, this is my second book. And I've been, you know, I've been knocking around, God, since the late 80s now, you know, doing, doing silliness for a living. And it's, it's really sort of weird, you know, at this stage of my life, in my, well, now my late 50s, to actually find something that, I really like doing, and I really, I really like writing. I really enjoy right. it. And 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 the good thing is, I didn't start doing it thirty years ago because I think I've got about four or five ideas. So hopefully, I won't run out. <laughs> right. So is, is have you already started working on your next book? I've just finished actually um, scripting a podcast series with a uh-huh. with a real with a real historian, a guy called Paul Wilson who um, is an Oxford graduate. He's best known for writing a book on the Silk Roads, which was yeah. very, very popular. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
And um, Paul and I, this may come as no surprise to anyone, met in the pub. <laughs> and and we started knocking around and, you know, he said, what are you up to? And I just, I just finished writing this book. It was earlier this year. Uh-huh. And I said, what do you, what do you do? And he said, I'm an historian. And so we've just, I mean, the original idea was we were going to have some history chats. And then we realized that we probably would work better if we scripted it because of just there's so much information you have to get across right. and yet at the same time craft it and make it interesting. So it's called And the Rest is History, and it's mm-hmm. basically it's going to be where history turns. If you've read, well, if you've read Reprehensible, so you know what interests me and, and Paul as well, when history turns on, on bizarre little circumstances and, 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 and mistakes and, and, and follies like the – the best way I can describe it is the assassination of the Archduke Franz Ferdinand, which started mm. off World War One. Mm. Well, his chauffeur, there's – I'm cutting this down to the very gist of the story, the very, the very heart of it. Mm-hmm. It all comes down to his, his chauffeur taking a, a wrong turn in the streets mm-hmm. of Sarajevo and stalling the car right out the front of the coffee shop where Princip, the assassin, was having a cup of tea. Yeah. And so it, it looks at history like through all those, through, through, through that image, like, like the role that gout played in the American Revolution, which so, is the, the, the gout, the, the, the oh. disease. Yep. Okay. Yeah, it, it actually played quite a bit. Um, so it's it's looking at those moments in history where, where things have turned on. Yeah, we like to th- we say in this show we'd like to think of history as being a, a broad march of intellects, but sometimes things happen because we stuff up. <laughs> or it's a sliding doors moment. It's a sliding doors moment, and so um, so we've just finished scripting that, and then I'm thinking about my next book, which, which is going which, to be. <laughs> The working title at the moment is Idiots, Follies and Misadventures, The Fine Art of Being Wrong. Um, in the In the similar vein to Reprehensible, but looking at, well, I've got the opening line, so it's good. Um, yes. my, grandma, my grandmother used to say, stupid is as stupid does, and stupid's been doing very well lately. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, uh, so in a similar vein, but um, at the moment I'm, Really excited about getting these podcasts up and running, and then probably time to think about another another book because I I really enjoy it, and quite frankly, it doesn't look like there's going to be much live work in the next. So week. tell me about so you've got this idea mm-hmm. um, for your next book, mm-hmm. and are you? I'm in, I'm interested in the information gathering process of this. What do you? What's likely? What's the likely scenario over the next X number of years, months? You tell me months, that you'll months, start months, right. Months. I um. I with this with the last book and the one before. It's usually about four months before I even write a word. And do you think you will find your topics first and research those topics or you will gather like a bowerbird again and then cluster them? Yeah, I will. I will. I will. will, My first thing is to compile a list of about 150 stories and and reference points to go back and find them. And then I'll look at that and I'll decide, is there a book in it? Is it fun? And how can I structure it? Interesting. And why don't you do it the other way? Because I hadn't thought of that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, but I've got to be honest. I I hadn't thought of that. You know what? I might do that. 
Hang on, let me get a pen and paper. <laughs> Do it the other way. Well, I'm it just seems I'm... a little bit more efficient, that's all. <laughs> yes, it, it does. But that's sort of not how my brain works. I, I, it does tend to fly off on tangents. Yeah, um, right. And, and then, then the job is... I'm, I'm just thinking myself. It's like my super ego's job is to is to be the blue healer, and and my brain is a bunch of sheep, and <laughs> the sheep go running out, and then eventually when it's time to get the work done, I call out the blue healer and we put them all in, in, in the paddock, and we, 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 we can actually shear the fleece and get the stories off them. Oh my god! Um, so if. Uh, it, what is your go-to? I know you've done you you do research online, sure, but is your go-to you know books, re, um, academic stuff, or television? Like- um, books. I actually, not, and and quite frankly, um, yeah, I, I do watch a lot of the History Channel, and I, I'd be lying mm. if I said some of the starting points for for both books I've written have have been things I've seen on TV, and I go, well, that's interesting. Then I'll go off and research it. Now, whether I do that with a book. Because you know, I said before, I'm a you know, I'm a I'm a middle class old guy. My books, my, my bookshelves are filled with nonfiction. My my best friend constantly rides me that I don't read enough fiction, and he and he's right. Um, and I'll, I'll start with books, or I'll, I'll go online. I mean, it's it's sort of surprising, and then sometimes something will you'll you'll be looking at something, and you'll go down the rabbit hole, and what you come out with is not the story that. You started off to find. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll give you an example. And it was actually from the first book. I was, I was researching about how modern chefs were doing the wanky thing and using ash as an ingredient. So I started researching ash and cooking. <laughs> um, that story sort of went away. But what I found by a day's research on that was that uh, the Roman gladiators actually had a health drink that involved ash and vinegar and herbs. And in fact, that the and it was high in electrolytes. So, in fact, the, the ancient Roman gladiators invented Gatorade. Yeah. <laughs> the first sports drink. Um, so so it, there, is that, there is that sort of constant surprise. and it's, it's happened in this book as well and it will happen in the next one. Mm. I'll, start, I'll start at one premise and then I'll end up somewhere else. Right. What was the most rewarding thing about writing this book? Um, that's, that's a good question. Um. Was finishing it? No. Well, <laughs> apart but, from that. No, um, actually, for the, the fact that I, I find this, I find this stuff interesting, mm. and the fact that um, when you look at stories of 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 of, um, I'll give you an example of uh, when I was writing it, um, there was this uh, pope who, who sort of rose through watching all the rose to power through watch by watching all the other contenders to be pope, tear each other apart through through mm. scandal and shouting and and, and, and and charge each other with blasphemy and all this and, and it was basically watching this rather ordinary guy just steer his way through by keeping his head down and becoming pope. As I was writing it, Scott Morrison was coming to the leadership <laughs> of the Liberal Party. Mm. And it, 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 it is those moments where you look at something and you go, Yeah, oh I get it. Yeah, we're still doing that. Okay. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. I've been mean, nothing against Scott Morrison. I mean, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, well, people know my politics. Sure. Um, and finally, what would be your top three tips to somebody who is keen to get published and, and, and write? First off, write. 
Mm-hmm. I know, I know, I know. Everyone says that, and I've got so many friends who say, you know, I've I've got this great idea, and I'm going, we'll start writing it. Mm. Start writing. I mean, you know, when I mean, and then once you've got something, show mm. it to people. That's mm. I know that sounds ridiculous. Show it to people, and then, you know, and just go through the phone book and find a literary agent if that works. I actually have a, have management. Um, but the most important thing is to whether I mean you you, you know you, it's just a set aside. I know that's really hard, particularly you know these days. But don't talk about doing it. Do it. Mm. I mean, I, I've, I've had a, a, one of my best mates who's never written even an article in his life. Um, has just finished. Uh, uh, you know, he was he was talking about he's going to do it, and I was I ran the other day, and I said, "What did you He said. I finished that uh, detective novel I was talking about. I said, you finished it? He said, oh, yeah, but I actually um, sent it off to an agent and they seemed to like it. I was like, oh, wow. Oh, I was like, great. I said, well, you know, just do it. Just mm. do it. And, 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 you know, and and also, too, don't worry if the first thing you put down you hate because you can always fix it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Great. So number one, write. Number two, show it to people. And number three, set aside the time to make sure you actually make it happen. Yeah, make it happen. Make it happen. And and once again, too, you know, the first thing you put down on the page doesn't have to be the thing that goes out with a cover on it. Yes, right. Great. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Mikey. Reprehensible, polite histories of bad behaviour. Cracker of a book. Everyone is going to sell its socks off. Congratulations. Well, thank you so much. You've been very, very kind. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre and our course, Freelance Writing at Stage 1. If you want to be a freelance writer, our five-week online course is the fastest way to get there. Step-by-step, you'll explore how to get story ideas, approach editors, research and structure your article, plus learn about interview skills, industry expectations, and much more, and have your own tutor, to answer all your questions. Here's what Emily Joyce says. What prompted me to take a course at the Australian Writers' Centre was I was in a bit of a career rut. I'd been a mother at home for a few years and wasn't sure what I wanted to do next. I'd always had an idea that I'd like to write and when I found out about the courses at the Australian Writers' Centre, I enrolled and I haven't looked back. Things I learned through the freelance writing course at the Australian Writers' Centre was how to pitch to editors, how to craft a compelling story and also it gave me the confidence to write. A really pleasant surprise after doing the course was being able to make money straight away from writing. Prior to the course, I thought that you had to have some kind of official degree and years of training. However, through doing the course through the Australian Writers' Centre, I learnt that anyone can write if they can have some tools and can apply themselves. The first article that I had published was for Mind Food magazine. It was a profile piece. And after that, I was published uh, twice for Essential Kids, and I have an article coming out in Kidspot in December. I love having the flexibility with freelance writing. I've got two young children, so what it means is I am my own boss and I can dictate the hours that I would like to invest into writing. I'd highly recommend a course through the Australian Writers' Centre. It will give you the tools and the confidence to make writing a career. To find out more, go to writerscentre.com.au slash freelance writing. All right, there we go, Mikey Robbins. Well, I have to say it sounds like an excellent book for Father's Day. I can yes. my my dad would love it. Oh. I can see him loving it because he loves a bit of history yep. and I think he would find that hilarious. 
Marcus Falls yes, and yes. the guy he is. The only thing that would possibly top that mm. would be a book about the weather because that's his <laughs> other favourite subject. Oh, my God. Okay. Sure. Don't you remember? We've talked about this. I think it was like 100 million episodes ago. But I remember I told you about his diary where he writes down every day in his diary. He's got this diary. He gets one every year. And he writes in the diary what the weather forecast is. So he writes that on the day. And then the next day he writes in what the weather actually was. Wow. And does he has he got one of those weather things, you know, I don't know what they're called even, but they oh, meet, stations, meteorology, meteorological yeah, pressure and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Various, yeah, yeah. No, he's had various ones over the years, mm. um, but he's not as he's not as keen on like his own weather. He just oh. likes to keep track of other people's weather. Oh. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> Look, I just can't even. I, I, and and the interesting thing that I found over the years is that it's a, actually a family, it's a family thing. It's a family yeah. trait because everybody seems to have become weather-obsessed. My my, son, mm. my oldest son is weather-obsessed. Really? He's like, what's the minimum temperature going to be overnight so he can work out how many layers of blankets he needs? Like he's oh just, he's, yeah, it's like a family, it's a genetic thing I've discovered. It is actually a thing. That, that and, but bizarre. I've also noticed that my husband, who is actually not genetically related yeah. um, to these people, or mm. except for my son, he is, but, you know, yes. not to my not to my dad. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <Yes>. Um, <laughs> that would be awkward. Yes. Is, um, he, he's also weather-obsessed. Like he's got a rain yeah. gauge, you know, likes oh. to keep track of how much rain. He's like a farmer with a yeah. very small farm. Yeah. Well, so I, I don't know, maybe it's a male thing because I maybe. I like to look out the window in the morning and go, mm. I think I'll put a jumper on, yes. you know, but no, that's not yes. enough. We need to yes. know what the severe weather warnings are. Weather apps are the worst thing that ever happened to oh, these people. Oh, yes. Constantly looking at the bomb app is what these people do, yes. Mm. These people. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like you. I've got people. like, no, I just pay no attention to the weather. I'm like, oh, I'll just go outside and I'll be cold. I know. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right, fantastic. Anyway. So this brings us to the end of this week's episode. What are you doing in the coming week? I'm presuming writing some more. Uh, I'm going to write some more. I'm going to get myself very excited about the fact that my book comes out next week. Ooh, so, yes. you know, you'll be hearing about it again, people. I'm sorry. I know it's <laughs> look, it's just a big moment in my life. What can I say? Um, I'll be preparing myself for the anticlimactic launch day, which we've discussed <laughs> in the past um, because it's just – you know, there'll be no parade, there'll be no balloons, there'll be nothing, but I'll be, I'll still be excited. Um, mm-hmm. So I'll be doing all that. Yeah. I might clean my house in preparation. Oh, yes. Okay. Mm. Oh, cl- actually, I'm, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to clean my house in preparation for your book too. Because okay, <laughs> <good. Yeah. laughs> <laughs> it really needs We'll have something. two clean houses. I'll be, I'll be like, well, there's two clean houses ready for the book. So that's, you know, that's something, right? Yes, yes. Um, no, actually, I do need to clean the house because the electrician's coming over because I just need more light. You know, I've, had, I've told you they can't read for properly. the electrician? No, no, because he needs to access things. Oh, you know. okay. Yeah. Well, this was like, like a, an, a new and extended version of cleaning for the cleaner. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so he can actually install the light. Okay. All right. More light. Uh, <laughs> well, no doubt by next week we'll be able to tell you about our clean houses uh where do we find you online al (laughs) 
at alisontait.com, A-L-L-I-S-O-N-T-A-I-T.com. You'll find me on Twitter at, at Al Tate, A-L-T-A-I-T, and you'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at Alison Tate Writer. And you, Val, where do we find you? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Of course, you'll find all of the show notes at SoYouWantToBeAWriter.com.au and make sure you connect with both of us on Facebook over at the So You Want To Be A Writer podcast community Facebook group. It's free to join. We'd love to have you in there. Thanks for listening, everyone. Yes, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writercentre.com.au slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writerscentre.com.au slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions and much more.